Amen. Thank you, Miss Laura. I appreciate that. I, um, I knew that Miss Laura Weeks, she sings that song. And um, I remember, I think it was that song one time that she was singing. And just before she sang that song, she gave a word of encouragement, which stuck with me. And she said, sometimes we cannot go. You might not even remember saying this, but she said, sometimes we can't go on what we feel. We have to go on what we know. And the words that you said before you sang that song before just stuck with me. And that, um, you know, I had to pull myself together right quick after that song because it's just so true. And it's been a crazy year and it's a crazy time. And uh, I believe just providentially that the Lord led me to Psalm 105 where we've been for the last few weeks. We've been talking about the big picture. And, um, and I just appreciate the Lord um, guiding us through that place, this place that we are in, and guiding us through the scripture of 105, and um, it's been a personal blessing to me just to be able to go through Psalm 105 and to hear the encouraging words that it has to say to us. What it's asking for us to do is to look back, to look back at who God is, and it's asking us to look back at who he has been through history so that we understand that all of us live in this particular moment where we are. We live right where we are today, and this is a particular time that we're living in, and sometimes it causes us in difficulty and in trials like Laura was singing about in those different circumstances that we go through. It causes us to question potentially, is God there? Where is God in all of this? Where is he? But it's a comforting thing to understand that when we take a step back and we examine who God has been through all of the history that we've already been through as humanity so far, that he has never failed. Not one time has he failed yet. Not one time has his promise um, not come through. Not one time has he been unfaithful. So this morning, I just want to continue to examine Psalm 105 and to remember the Lord as it instructs for us to do. He tells us to remember the Lord, remember the Lord in his goodness, and then to sing to him, to know who he is. Um, I used the very first week an illustration of Bob Ross, a video that I was watching, and I believe that the Lord led me to that video. And again, uh, I want to remind you of it for somebody who may not have been around for the other two parts of this series, but I was watching a video, and I saw Bob Ross doing one of his tutorials, and then with his, um, you know, his gentle, calming voice, he's teaching you how to do things, and he paints the clouds and he paints the water beneath and it's looking really good and he takes this knife with some black paint on it and he rubs it right down the middle of that canvas and I found myself thinking how in the world can anything become beautiful from that you know and after a while you get to see the picture you get to see where he's thinking and where he's going not to say Bob Ross is God and in any in any way form or shape but I do see the reality that God does the same kinds of things, that we might see something that enters our circumstance. We might see 2020, this year, as that black stripe across the canvas of a beautiful picture and then say, God, how in the world, where are you? That can't be your hand that's doing that, that's allowing for that to happen. And when I examine the New Testament promise and the understanding that God is going to work all things out, they say, to my good, because I love him, and I'm called according to his purpose. And the Proverbs tell me when I will submit my way to God that he will direct my paths. We can come into this place where we have an understanding that, God, this cannot be you, and you can't be faithful to that promise, because I don't see in this moment how that black, ugly thing can turn into anything beautiful for my good. But our God is faithful. I believe in those times that we go through that God 
makes this place. There's this song that I've kind of um, instilled in my heart, and it says that for these moments, for these ugly times, God plans ahead. And I think even when we make mistakes, big sins and big hardships enter our lives or grief enters our life, that God prepares this moment you know, where in the middle of our grief, in the middle of our shame, that he makes a time that we might see his faithfulness in all of that stuff. In the middle of my grief, in the middle of my shame, that in the middle of those situations, God makes a way that we might see his faithfulness through every bit of it. And it's a beautiful thing um, to be God's people because he always comes through. He's always faithful. And that is the encouragement from his word. I want to remind you, the Bible knowledge commentary, I quoted this from the first week. It says this about Psalm 105. And it says this psalm expresses joy over God's faithfulness to his word in redeeming his chosen people. We are those people grafted in, adopted in through the blood of Christ. And we are his chosen people this morning. That should cause rejoicing in our hearts for sure. But it expresses joy over God's faithfulness to his word in redeeming his chosen people. So those who receive his benefits, I want you to consider that for a second, that surely as a blood-bought believer, we are benefactors of God's blessings. We are benefactors of Christ this morning. No matter who you are, no matter what today looks like, that is absolutely the truth. That if we have been grafted into the family and we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, then we are absolutely benefactors in his in redeeming of his chosen people, which we'll, we'll see today through Psalm 105. So those who receive his benefits should remember his works. And I encourage you to say that to yourself right where you are today. Remember, remember. Don't go forth with what you see today. Go with what we know. How do we know that God's going to be faithful? Because he has been all the way since the book of Genesis. How do we know that God's going to fulfill his promise? Because he always has. And 2020 is no different. And your life is no different than all of these people who have come before us where God has shown his mighty hand. He's still on his throne today. He's not left. He's still in control. And his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. So it don't always make sense. But we understand and we go on what we know. The truth of the word of God does not change. And God himself, we talked about during this series, does not change. That's a word called immutable. God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is our God, and he is faithful to his people. So those who receive his benefits, which is surely all of us, should remember his works, remember what he's done, and respond with obedience. This is Psalm 105, the very beginning. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord and call on his name. Call on his name. We talked about the idea of giving thanks to the Lord at the beginning and the end of this psalm is to take a step back and like point the finger to yourself and say, you will praise the Lord today. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk you of his wondrous works. You know, there's something about singing to the Lord that makes a big difference. And it don't matter if you sound like Laura or if you sound like Lurch or something crazy somewhere, you know. Singing to the Lord is, is a moment where it might just be you and the Lord. You know, it might just be you and the Lord. But in that moment, truths are solidified in our hearts that I am not alone. I might know that from the truth of the word of God, but there's something about that moment where I just sing to the Lord and give that to him and remind myself of that and it sticks. And there'll be a song of truth of the scripture that sticks in our heads. We are not alone. He is El Roy. We'll get to that in just a second. 
Sing to him, sing psalms to him, and talk of his wondrous works. Talk about it because it reminds not only you, but it reminds other people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when we talk about the goodness of God, it reminds people who God is, that we don't forget his faithfulness to every generation. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. That we go to the Lord, submit ourselves, and we don't live in the power of our own strength, but we live in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit today. The indwelling Christ. And we seek the Lord for his strength and we seek his face and not just his hand and what he can do. But we are in love with the Lord and we seek his face. Remember his marvelous works that he has already done. Remember those things, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. You seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever, forever. So if I find myself asking, where is God in all of this today? Just hold on. He will reveal himself. He will always come through in his time. And he is always good. And he's always in control. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Which covenant he made with Abraham, his oath to Isaac, and confirmed the same to Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying. So what he does here, if you remember, is, he, is the writer is telling us to remember. And then he gives us specific moments in Scripture to examine for our own selves. So what we've been doing is going back to those particular stories. And we're examining from a bird's eye view, taking a big step back and looking at the whole story. And that's why we've called it the big picture, to see that, yes, there were moments in the life of Abraham, which is the first one that he gives us that we talked about. He might be 85 and childless, but God gave a promise that he was going to have a, a son, that he was going to have a son that would bear the promise that he is given, a promise of a land, a place, and a people. So he's saying, go back to the Abraham story. Take a step back and remember God's goodness, right? But also remember that Abraham was a real person that lived for a very long time and that God brought his faithfulness along in Abraham's sight all along for sure. But then it takes a little while for Abraham to be able to see God's faithfulness, right? And Sarah. So we talked about those things and God being faithful even in the middle of our hardship the hardest days of our lives, that he's bringing those things around. He shows his faithfulness to individuals and to his people as a whole, even through hardship. And then he also shows his faithfulness to every single one of us um, through even our mistakes and failures and through hardship. That I praise the Lord for the revelation that his faithfulness is not contingent on mine, right? That his goodness is not contingent on my goodness, God is who he is and always will be despite who I am, right? In spite of who I am. Remember his marvelous works, he says, which covenant he made with Abraham, his oath to Isaac, and confirmed the same to Jacob. Skip down to 12. When they were but a few men in number. So he's going back and examining the life of Abraham like we did a couple times ago. When they were but a few men in number, a very few and strangers in it. 
When they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yes, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, don't touch my anointed, do my prophets no harm. Moreover, he called for a famine on the land, and he broke the whole staff of bread. We went through Abraham's story, again, the hardship that was throughout his life, and we went through the mistakes that he made in lying and the, un- the, the doubt that he and Sarah operated in through their lives and then looked at God's faithfulness throughout the time. The next, or excuse me, through Abraham's story, we see God revealed in very specific ways. So in his story, and the reason I want to cover this carefully again is because when, once God reveals himself to Abraham in a particular way, we understand, again, I'll say, God does not change. So when he reveals himself to Abraham in a particular way, he's not going to stop being that God. So he's not only that God to Abraham, but he is God. And this is his essence, his character that he's revealing in the story. So through the story of Abraham, we looked at a few ways that God did that. That even in the middle of mistakes, failures, and hardship, God is faithful. He revealed himself in the middle of their ugliness and in the middle of hardship as El Shaddai, God Almighty. In the story today that we'll pick up, he reveals himself in that same way and then tags on to it. But El Shaddai, God Almighty, that there is nothing too hard for him. And if you remember, he gave his name and he revealed this piece of himself in their moments Abraham and Sarah's moments of greatest doubt. They were at the time that they said, God, you promised that you would give a son, but we are so old now, there's no way that you're going to be able to make that happen. And he reveals himself and says, I am God Almighty, and there's nothing too hard for me. And God is not going to stop being God Almighty. So we're looking for God Almighty through the life of Joseph, through the life of Moses and the children of Israel today. And now even all in our own lives. He is still God Almighty today. It applies today, and he has not changed. The other name that was revealed to us was El Roy. If you remember where that came from, is you've got a lady in the deepest, darkest moments of despair here, and he comes along, and God reveals himself as the God who sees us, that he has not forgotten us. So we're going to continue to look for El Roy in the story of Moses and the children of Israel and how that applies today, that he is not left, he is not forgotten, he is not unmindful of his people, he's not far away. We believe that God is transcendent, yes, over all things, God Almighty, but he is also imminent, meaning close and personal with each individual one of us, that I, I praise the Lord for the fact and for the revelation that God does not give us one eight billionth of his attention, but we have his full undivided attention as individuals today. How does that work out? I don't know, but he is God and I am not, and I'm, I'm grateful that he's able to do that. He revealed himself, his name, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You remember the moment this promised son came and then God told Abraham to sacrifice him. And God revealed himself in this Christ connection, really, in the story, that he would provide the sacrifice, that God would be our provider through time, right? That this was more, God was doing more in that moment than just saving Isaac, right? He was revealing himself, his character, as our provider. That was the story of Abraham. Then we moved on to Joseph. And in in Joseph's life, we're looking for the same thing. And God was completely faithful in the life of Joseph. This is what um, 
Psalm number 105 said about Joseph. If you remember, moreover, he called for a famine, broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters, who was laid in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. If you remember, we talked last week, or I'm sorry, the last time that I was able to do this that piece of the series, we talked about the fact that this was God's purpose, that there were 13 years from, he went from a favored son and spent 13 years a slave and a prisoner before we see him triumphing in Egypt. 13 years, 13 years he was a slave and a prisoner, but the scripture was clear that the Lord was with Joseph. In that slavery, the Lord was with Joseph, never alone, slavery to prison right, and that God was doing something, that he was preparing Joseph for himself to be able to take the place that he took in Egypt, and he was also preparing this deliverance for his own people, again, that we'll see today. The king sent and loosed him, even the ruler of the people, and let him go free. He made him the Lord of his house, meaning Potiphar's house is what it's talking about here. 22, to bind his princes at his pleasure and teach his senators wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt, and Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. So this is the time when all of God's people were taken care of during a famine in the land of Goshen because of God's providence. And he increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their enemies. So today we're going to pick up the back half or the last third of these stories, Moses and the children of Israel. So um, before we do that, I do want to remind you of the promise that was given and we're not going to go right back to Psalm 105, because if you're following Psalm 105, Psalm 105 breaks right into the plagues, and it, and it starts right when Moses comes along, Moses and Aaron come along. It says that God sent Moses and Aaron, and it focuses on the deliverance of the people as a whole. I want to take a moment and just connect the story quickly from Joseph to Moses. There's a great deal of time in there where there could have been generations of people that are hearing that there's this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He gave a promise to us of a land, a promise to us of a people, but there are generations literally who came and, and who have come and gone, and all they knew was slavery in there. So I want to talk about that for just a second. But before we do, we remember that the promise continues. This was not just a promise to Abraham himself, but this was a promise for a people and a land, and all of us would be blessed. Eventually, God would bring Jesus, our Messiah, the one person that really means the most over everything else through these people. And he's making this promise come to pass, but it doesn't happen in a week, right? So the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. This is the promise that those, that nation, the people, I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. The promise continues. This is Genesis chapter 50. These are Joseph's words that he was so confident that God would fulfill his promise that was given back in the day to Abraham that at the end of his life, this is what he says in Genesis chapter 50. So I will soon die. Soon I will die, but God will surely 
surely come and help you. He knows. God made a promise a long time ago. We haven't seen it fulfilled today. But I understand at this juncture of my life, God knows what he's doing. He's making this big picture. And I don't know exactly where he is right now, and I can't see it clearly how he's going to bring it to pass. But I know that he will. So by faith, Joseph is saying, when he does come and he leads us out of this land of Egypt, he will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when God comes to help you and leads you back, you must take my bones with you. That was a measure of faith that he understood this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This God that was with him through trial and through tribulation in these moments of his life, that he saw this big picture of a sovereign and mighty God moving through the fabric and the narrative of his, of his life to do exactly what God wanted to do. This is no different, and this is so relevant for us today. 2020, I, I just want to, like right before uh, service began, Jen came to me and showed me this funny picture. That, and I'm sure if you guys are on the internet or on any social media, you've seen this stuff. And they'll say, 2020 is like... And they give a picture, you know. And this picture that she showed me this morning was these plastic chairs that somebody had kicked the legs out from under. And it said, we will rebuild, you know. I've seen some this week that said 2020, if it was a drink, it'd be like Sprite mixed with water, you know, and and crazy stuff like that. So you see this all the time. Right now, everybody's saying, you know, there's nothing worse in our experience than this year that we've seen, you know. So this is completely relevant, and I think we should, we should, we should tackle this life that we have right here with, with this story, um, with this understanding of the bigger picture, that 2020 might not be the best of times that we've ever experienced in our country or in your family. You might be going through hardship, but God is God. He's not left his throne. He's not gone anywhere. He's still in control. He still makes a way in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our grief, in the middle of our hardship for us to see his faithfulness if we'll look for it, if we'll seek his face. As Psalm 105 says, if we will seek his strength, he'll give us what we need to continue to push through this. And he won't just let us push through this. He'll allow us to thrive as a people, as his people. And that the kingdom of God might grow through this hardship. He would do it through us if we'll just submit to him. So here we see Joseph understanding. I don't know how God's going to bring about the promise. I don't know how he's going to show himself faithful. But I know that he will. So when I die, take my bones when he comes through. So we understand that, the Mo- that Moses, the children of Israel, it was not easy. I have reminded us also of a scripture in Jude that shows us that, you know, we're not promised an easy life when we sign up for Christianity, when we submit to the Lord, that that's not something that God promised. He does promise he's not going anywhere. Never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But nobody ever said when, when we come to the Lord that everything is easy. In fact, the opposite seems to be true in the New Testament, in the early church. Many of those people gave their lives just for the gospel, just for believing in Jesus, just for spreading it, like he said, you know? So um, we're not looking for God in a material way, right? Because he doesn't always come through like that. He does, and we're grateful when he does. But to understand that our wealth is not a metric of his faithfulness um, today, but Jesus himself, he comes and he gives us life, life more abundantly. So 
Here we turn to Genesis chapter 1 before we get back to Psalm 105 and read about the plagues and how God showed himself mighty through, um, through his strong arm. We see in Exodus chapter 1, the favorable Pharaoh dies. If you remember, there's this Pharaoh that Joseph is under that allows the children of Israel to come in and to be provided for, to be fed during the famine. This guy has passed away, and a new Pharaoh is in town. He understands that God is multiplying these people. He looks to these people, the Israelite people. He's looking at the Hebrew people and saying, man, God is blessing their number in such a way that, and these are not godly people, so he probably does not attribute it to God, but their number is growing in such a way that if they wanted to overtake us, they probably could. So therefore, we need to oppress them. We need to make them our slaves so that that won't happen. So the favorable Pharaoh dies and makes a huge hardship for the children of Israel in, um, in, the, in the years following Joseph's death. Moses should have never made it to infancy. So these people have been in, in, in slavery for 400 years before, before Moses comes along and God begins to bring the deliverance. Is he still Elroy? There are some people born in this moment, that's all they ever knew is the word of God's promise. That's all, just the word. And all they ever knew from birth to death was slavery. You know? He is still Elroy. We're going to find in just a few chapters, God has not forgotten his people. God never let his eye off of them. He's remained faithful the entire time. Going to Moses' infancy, talk about your hardship. You know, these people continued to grow, continued to grow and grow despite the Pharaoh's oppression. So then he commands that all the baby boys be killed. Eventually, every single one of them, every baby boy born to the Hebrew people was to be thrown in the river. And this was the moment when Moses was born. Moses should have never made it past his infancy. Hardship. Moses is forced out of, Midian, out of Egypt into Midian after committing a murder. So he grows up. This is real hardship. And guys, I wish we had the time to really break open every bit of it. We could spend all day sitting together talking about um, Exodus and Moses and even just the first seven chapters. We could, all day long, we could roll down that, that, um, that path. But, so we're giving a bird's eye view. Moses should have never made it. Moses is forced. He grows up. He sees the mistreatment of his people and he commits murder and he's forced to go to a foreign land beyond that. Moses was more concerned. If you remember, after this, Moses is comfortable. He is, he's made a family for himself. He's out there and God has allowed all these beautiful things and then God comes to him in the middle of that and he calls out to him. And this mistake and failure was was Moses' inability or his unwillingness to trust God in the middle of what God was asking for him to do. The Hebrew people are oppressed further. And then Moses was concerned with his insecurity more than God's word and provision. That in this moment, God was saying from the burning bush, I will do it through you. I will speak through you. I will make these things happen. And Moses just continues on and on and on. But God, I can't. I can't. He was more concerned with his inability to speak well, and he was more concerned with his own doubt and fear than he was with what God said. 
But did that mean that God just gave up, threw his hands up and said, fine, I can't find anybody to go do what I asked him to do, so I'm going to just go work with a different people. He didn't do that, right? He continued in spite of this failure of Moses, right? And we just believe, we understand that God shows himself faithful and strong through our weakness even. The Hebrew people, finally Moses and Aaron go along and, and they call forth the elders of Israel. They call, and then they go to, the el- to, to Pharaoh and say, let God's people go. This is what God is saying. I know it don't make a whole lot of sense right now, you know, but, but this is what God is saying. And they display no faith after the Pharaoh gives like a, a backlash. He, um, he further oppresses the people after Moses and Aaron tell him to let those people go, let God's people go so they can go worship. And then they turn back to Moses, and they basically say, all you've done is cause us trouble. You put a sword, the scripture says, in the Pharaoh's hand so he could kill us. What are you doing? You know? Then Moses goes back to God in this chapter and says, God, what are you doing? You told me to come over here, and you're not doing anything about it to deliver these people. Where are you at? So in um, Exodus chapter 6, we see that, that God gives this beautiful reiteration of his promise, a beautiful word to Moses, to the people of Israel to say, I am God and I'm going to do exactly what I said that I was going to do. But they were so discouraged by how brutal the slavery was that they didn't even want to hear it anymore. We don't even want to hear what God has to say. Um, the more oppression, and this is, God is faithful. So going back to the beginning of this story, and seeing and examining in God's faithfulness in the middle of these first seven chapters, um, the more oppression that Egypt put on the Hebrew people, the more they multiplied. God showed his faithfulness in the middle of these 400 years, what he was doing. God was growing the number of his people in those 400 years. You might not see it in the middle of your slavery, but God is good, knows what he's doing. And on the back side of things, we've got to be looking for God's faithfulness rather than focusing on our insecurity or right what's in front of our faces, to go on what we know, not on what we see. So then rather than Moses being slaughtered as an infant, God saw to it that he was saved and his mother got to nurse and partially raise him. Y'all, you could spend, again, a whole day just in that one moment considering God's faithfulness to this woman. She was supposed to birth her son and lose him immediately. When she couldn't hide him anymore, she sent him down the river, Pharaoh, his daughter, finds Moses and takes him for her own. The sister gets Moses, and then mom is able to nurse him back to health. Look at God's faithfulness, even in the middle of that ugliness. You could really spend, and I encourage you, go to Exodus chapter 2 and look at God there. Watch what he's doing. It's beautiful. God used Moses' exile to bring him a family and a peaceable life. He got to live in Midian. He met his wife there, and that's a beautiful story. God hears the groaning of his people. We still see God Almighty, and we're for real about to see God Almighty, El Shaddai, in just a couple minutes when we go back to Psalm 105 and we consider the plagues and his strong hand on behalf of the children of Israel. God hears the groaning of his people. He reminds them. He still sees them. He has not forgotten them and his promise. And he sends Moses, and he says, I hear you, and I believe it's time now. And I'm about to deliver you from this slavery and from this brutality. When Moses was showing his doubt at the burning bush moment and saying, I can't do this. And then when you send me to do these things that don't make any sense to people, 
You know, how are they going to know that God sent me? I'm going to go to this man. It's like me going to President Trump and saying, well, we should release all the prisoners in the United States. Well, on whose authority? Who are you to say that? You know, so Moses is nobody at this point. The people who wanted to kill him after he murdered the Egyptian, they're dead. So he's likely walking up to maybe some strange people, maybe some people that he does know. But either way, he's walking up and saying, this is what God said. And, and he just harps on the fact, how are they going to know that, that you sent me? How are we going to know that these things are going to um, actually happen? So God meets Moses' insecurity by revealing himself as I am, Yahweh. And with provision and strength, he provides Aaron to go with him. And he provides the signs, the staff and his hand and turning blood, um, water into blood. So in this way that God reveals himself is bigger than our understanding, right? There's many disagreements around what Yahweh means. And what it is to me is that he is unsearchable. He's bigger than we can fathom or understand. And God calls this his eternal name as he um, reveals himself. The Lord asked Moses. This is one of my favorite responses that God gives to Moses in this whole story. When he says, but I can't speak well, and he's focused, again, on what he sees and his own ability rather than what we know about God and his faithfulness, right? It completely relates to today. Make sure we're not looking at the circumstances, situations around us, and instead we look to God, right? We look to God and understand who he is, what he's doing. We might not understand, but we understand his character and who he is, and he's always going to be faithful to that. The Lord asked Moses these questions. Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or don't speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. This shows God's sovereign hand in every situation, right? Might not make sense to us. We might not be able in this moment to reconcile our reality with the goodness of God. But sometimes we have to just go on what we know. It is God who is in control, and we submit to his authority. We submit to him. God is faithful. This is the continuation of the promise. This is the continuation of God fulfilling his promise. Exodus chapter 6, it says, Then the Lord told Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. You know, they're saying, God, where are you in this? How in the world are we going to make it through? And he says, You're going to see. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to lead this land. Leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people. I'm Elroy, he's saying, I haven't forgotten them. I know exactly, and today, he's not forgotten you. And you might be in the darkest moment of your life, but God has planned ahead that you might see his faithfulness in the middle of your grief, that you might be able to see his hand in the middle of your hardship, and he's doing it. In the middle of their slavery, he is entering in, and he says, I will be your deliverer. And he shows himself strong, and he still shows himself strong today for his people. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. I have not forgotten. 
Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. And I wish we had time to make the Christ connection there. But I encourage you to do that. Go to Exodus chapter 6 and look for Jesus. He won't be hard to find. I will claim you as my own people. And I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. So in these first seven chapters, we see this narrative unfolding where there have been 400 years of slavery. And there's this question, where is God? Where is he? How is he going? Much like 2020, we could easily look around and say, God, are you still in control? You know, and really feel like on a human level, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a good question, that it's okay to ask that because things look crazy right now, right? God, are you in control? But the answer of faith and the definitive answer from the evidence of history is absolutely he is. Yes, he's in control. Yes, he knows what he's doing. Yes, his ways are higher. Yes, his thoughts are higher. Yes, he directs our paths. Yes, everything is going to work out to my good because I'm called according to his purpose and I love him, Right? That is absolutely the truth, that God does not change. He is still who he said that he is, and it doesn't matter what it looks like today. God is who he has always been, and he will always be faithful to his people, to his promise. He turned their heart. Now, this is back to Psalm 105. This is a quick rundown of God's strong hand, like Exodus chapter 6 said that he would deliver. He absolutely does, as you know, through the plagues. And he said he turned their heart to hate his people, to deal subtly with his servants. Back in Psalm 105, he sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They showed his signs among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent dark and made it dark, and they rebelled not against his word. He turned their waters into blood, slew their fish. Their land brought forth frogs in abundance, and in the chambers of their kings he spoke, and there came diverse sorts of flies and lice in all their coasts. He gave them hail for rain and flaming fire in their land. He smote their vines, also their fig trees, and broke the trees of their coasts. He spoke, and the locusts came, and caterpillars, and that without number, and did eat up all the herbs in their land, and devoured the fruit of their ground. He smote also all the firstborn in their land, the chief of all their strength. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. If you remember, and if you read enough into the story of Exodus, that when the Lord brings deliverance in a mighty way, he doesn't leave them empty-handed. He strips the Egyptians as a matter of judgment of their wealth and gives it to the Hebrew people. Not one feeble person was among their tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for they for fear, for the fear fell on them. He spread a cloud for a covering and a fire to give light in the night, guiding every moment of the way. The people asked, and he brought quails and satisfied them on after the Red Sea, and they were there in the wilderness. God provided for them. He opened a rock, and the waters gushed out, and they ran in dry places like a river. For he remembered his holy promise as Abraham, and Abraham his servant. He brought Forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness and gave them the lands of the heathen and they inherited the labor of the people that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. This is again that idea to take a step back from your current situation and praise the Lord 
and to remember who he is, to not forget his benefits, to not forget today in the middle of this year, in the middle of this time, that God is good, to not forget his benefits. All of this happened, this says at the very last of the verse, all of this happened that they might observe his statutes, that we might bring a people that are obedient to the Lord and to keep his laws. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord this morning. I just want to remind you before we leave here, before we close, before I close out this moment, that God is always going to be what he has revealed himself to be. That in our lives, in this year, in this time, in this day, he is still almighty God. He still has not left his throne. He is still in control. He is still El Shaddai. He is still El Roy. And in the middle of the darkest night, he has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten your name. He has not forgotten your situation. He has not forgotten the trouble that we have been through, right? And he is not unable as God Almighty to bring those things around to our good. Do not focus on what we see right in front of our faces today. Look for his strength. Seek his face. Praise him for the things that he has already done. And hold on because sometimes in the lives of his people, we get to see the full circle like Joseph did and see the big picture and back up from Bob Ross's canvas and see that that big, ugly black mark became this mountain range that is a beautiful sight to behold. Hold on and don't focus on today. Look back and remember who God has always been and remind yourselves, remind ourselves and in our minds and in our hearts, solidify the understanding that God is God and I'm not. He is sovereign and he has always been working things out to the good of his people. He sees me, he knows me and he is able. He also provides Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider, specifically in Christ. We have, we have the indwelling Christ living inside of us today because of his great provision. We never walk alone. Never, not one time do we walk alone. We have the Holy Spirit. He is with us. He is in us, right? And it is in him that we live and move and have our being, right? Don't forget that today. He is Yahweh. He is unsearchable. He is from the beginning before time, and he will be after. He has always been God. He is in control. So today, he does have omnipotent hands. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. And sometimes, in faith, we just got to go to the Lord and say, if you ask it of me, then I understand my weakness, but I also understand your strength. Amen? He is Yahweh. He is good. He always has, and he always will be. This has been the big picture, and I want to remind you one more time, Bible Knowledge Commentary. This psalm expresses joy over God's faithfulness to his word in redeeming his chosen people. So those who receive his benefits should remember his works and respond with obedience. Today, you might not know him. You might be listening today, and you might not understand what it is to be his chosen people. And you might feel the Holy Spirit drawing you to accept Christ for the first time. And if that is the case, I invite you to do that. If you have questions about salvation, if you have questions about the Word of God, um, contact a member of our staff, and it would be our joy to be able to walk you through the plan of salvation, to be able to walk you through what we believe about the Word of God. And um, we just want to pray this morning, remember who God is, and um, thank Him again for all of His benefits. Let's, let's go to the Lord. God, thank you for who you are. 
Thank you for your goodness through every generation, through every story in the word. We see your faithfulness. We see your character. We see your goodness. We see your mercy that in spite of who we are, you have never failed. God, and I thank you for real, for my own life, for my own spirit, Lord, that my faithfulness does not affect yours, that even when I'm unfaithful, you are always faithful to your promise. God, thank you for that. Thank you that um, your goodness does not hinge on mine, that you don't have a knee-jerk reaction to destroy a people who make mistakes and um, who stumble through hardship, but you are merciful and you are gracious. And Lord, we can come to you and get the grace and the mercy that we need in our time of need. And you provide your strength as we seek your face. And God, I just ask that you would help us to do that. Help us to rely on you. Help us again and again and again. Have that song stuck in our head that we are not alone. You go before us and you never leave us. God, help us to have that concept stuck in our minds, Lord, that you are always faithful, even through the darkest night, even through trials. God, you are good. You always have been. You always will be. God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. Thank you. Lord, that um, you provided a way where there was no way for salvation. There's no way that we can be good enough or reach the glorious standard of God himself of perfection, but you became that for us. You are, you were perfect in your walk, and Lord, you became sin, even though you knew no sin, and you died for us, Jesus, even when we were still in sin. God, thank you for that. Thank you for, um, in all of these stories, that we see just how far you're willing to go to redeem your people, Lord, in Jesus' name.